Hello, friends. The book of Revelation is a hard book to understand. It's filled with striking and vivid imagery. It's also a book that has captured our attention more than most books in the New Testament. But with all of this attention, we struggle to know how to read it and read it well. In this video, I have four tips for how to read Revelation well. We might call this Apocalypse How. Sorry, I was really proud of that. Anyways, I'm JC Schroeder, and this is Bite Size Seminary. So why these tips? Well, I think that these tips act as guardrails to our interpretation. They keep us from going too far away from the text and into unprofitable areas. My intention here is methodological. I'm not trying to persuade for a particular position in this video, so this is less partisan and more hermeneutical. I'm interested in how do we read it well. The first two tips that I have are things to avoid, while the other two tips are things that we want to pay attention to as we are reading Revelation. Tip number one is don't practice newspaper eschatology. Eschatology is the theological term for the study of the end times or the last things. So newspaper eschatology is where we build our eschatology from current events, whether that's political, cultural, or something else. With this, we find current events described or fulfilled in Revelation. The problem that I see with this approach is that it seems too subjective and suffers from a kind of recency bias. If we go back a generation or a couple of generations or, or even several hundred years, believers have asserted that a whole host of events or persons are the fulfillment of some passage in Revelation. This to me suggests that our perspective is not grounded in the text, but more so in current events. As we'll see in a moment, the purpose of Revelation is not to kind of like nitpick every current event, but it is to foster a faithfulness and trust in God himself. Maybe things happening today do speak of the progress of God's plan, but what we want to do is to interpret Revelation on its own terms, not from the newspaper. Tip number two is don't deny the return of Christ. If we come up with an interpretation that says, well, Jesus has already come back and we missed it, or he's already come back and this is as good as it gets, or if we even say that Jesus was wrong and he isn't coming back, that's when I think we kind of move into some dangerous ground with the text and with the history of Christian theology. Christians may differ on the ultimate timing and nature of Jesus's return, but almost all agree, and the Bible does seem to be clear in this, that he is coming again, and he will make all things new. So don't deny his return. So those are the negative tips, the guardrails for our interpretation. Now let's talk about some positives that can help our reading 
of Revelation. Tip number three is to understand the genre of Revelation. What kind of document is this document Revelation? The question of genre is important for interpreting any text because genre, what genre does is it shapes our expectations as readers. For example, if you're watching a sci-fi film and you happen to see a green alien, it's not weird, right? It's normal because it's sci-fi. Whereas if you're watching a police drama and you saw a green alien, I think you'd be kind of confused, right? Because it doesn't match the expectation we have for that genre. Now, there are not green aliens in Revelation, but it does seem different than a lot of the other texts that we have in the New Testament. Michael Thompson notes that the genre of Revelation has, quote, a more significant impact on the process of interpreting it than on interpreting any other New Testament writing, end quote. So genre is a key area for us to think about. Even though Revelation may seem unique, it does have parallels in scripture and in the wider Second Temple Judaism texts. Revelation has kind of a convergence of three main genre features, prophecy, letter, and apocalypse. Let's start with prophecy first. So Revelation is actually called a prophecy numerous times in the book itself. For example, the book is self-described as a word of prophecy in chapter 1, verse 3, as well as in chapter 22, verses 7, 18, and 19. And there are other uh, references as well. But when we think of prophecy, we typically think of a prediction of the future. But that's not really the emphasis that we have in Scripture. Revelation as prophecy is in a long line of Old Testament prophets where the emphasis is to bring repentance and comfort to the people of God. David De Silva notes that prophecy serves to, quote, motivate and legitimate the response of faithfulness and protest, end quote. It gives a warning against compromise with cultural pressures and sin, as well as comfort to endure suffering and persecution. That's why God gives this revelation, this book, as a prophecy. That's the intention of prophecy. And so if we treat revelation as only telling us about the future, we've missed the intended effect of the book. Revelation does more than just inform us. It warns, it comforts, it encourages us to be faithful to Christ. So when we think about Revelation as prophecy, it may have a forward future element, which I actually think it does. But its intention is to do something to the first audience, the first readers. That brings us to the next genre feature in Revelation, which is letter. The book is kind of wrapped in this letter structure. While there are significant differences between Revelation and a lot of other letters, it does kind of have that basic letter structure and features. For instance, Revelation chapter 1 verses 4 through 5 has that typical letter introduction with John greeting the seven churches of Asia Minor. 
there are also specific messages to each of the churches in chapters two and three. So this is just a small sampling of these letter features. And these letter features highlight our need to understand the people who would have originally received and read this letter. Just as with other letters in the New Testament, we need to know something of the audience of Revelation. It reminds us that Revelation is is not intended solely for us in the future, but for a specific group of believers. This is where it works in tandem with prophecy. The fact that John writes a letter, which is also prophecy, means he wants a specific response from a specific group of people. This reminds us that Revelation is not like some code book only to be decoded in in light of events in the 21st century. It was to be read, understood, and lived in the first century. This, again, doesn't negate a, a future element or the possibility of a future element. It is a reminder, though, that the letter has a home in the ancient world with ancient recipients. It has meaning and application for us, but in order to do justice to the letter, we must first pay attention to the original recipients. It can't mean something to us that it couldn't have meant for them. The last feature of Revelation genre is apocalypse. While we use this word in English to describe the end of the world, it actually comes from the Greek word for revelation or an unveiling. So an apocalypse is a genre that reveals something. There is a difference between the terms apocalyptic or apocalypticism and apocalypse. Apocalypticism, if I can say that, refers to a worldview about the end of time, supernatural cosmology, conflict, revelation, to just just name a few. So a text may be apocalyptic, but it may not be an apocalypse. For example, parts of Colossians have apocalyptic features without being an apocalypse. There are several other Jewish and Christian texts that are apocalypses, say for instance like First Enoch. The features of this genre are visionary experiences, which unveil or reveal the true nature of things. It kind of like, it pulls back the curtain for us. For example, in Revelation 4 and 5, John has this vision of the throne room of God. So that's, that's typical of what you would see in apocalypses. Apocalypses also have rich imagery, like in Revelation 12 with the woman and uh, the dragon. There's also a supernatural or angelic intermediary, like in Revelation 19, 9, and 10, where the angel explains things to John. One of the purposes of an apocalypse is to show things from God's perspective, and it helps interpret the reality of the audience. It gives perspective. All of this is to say that Revelation has all the features of an apocalypse and those expectations for this genre, along with those for prophecy and letter, they need to be accounted for when we interpret it. The final tip relates to a general interpretive approach to the text. We want to focus on the communicative intent of the author. What does that mean? Okay, so remember the goal of interpretation is to understand what the author is saying and means 
through the text that we have. So we're seeking to understand what the author is communicating. So our default interpretive position should not be simply literal or simply symbolic. We want the communicative intent of the author. What are they intending to communicate? So if they intended something to be literal, we take it as literal. If they intended something to be symbolic, then we take it as symbolic. We're honoring the intentions of the author. Most interpretations of Revelation have some degree of seeing literal and symbolic elements in Revelation. The question, and this is where the divergence of interpretations of Revelation are, is to what degree and in what place should we take something as literal or symbolic? But my point here is not just to make up our minds beforehand as literal or symbolic, but we seek to understand the author's intention mediated through the text. Revelation can be a strange and difficult text for us. And hopefully these tips are not strange or difficult, but hopefully they help us to be better readers of Revelation. But I also want to remind us that the point is not to be solely more informed, but to have our heart drawn to the Lord and be more faithful disciples. I think that's kind of the problem sometimes when we're talking and thinking and reading about Revelation is that we're so filled with this event or this individual or this interpretation or this perspective that we forget that the Lord is speaking to us and he is calling us to flee from sin and to run to him, to live faithfully before him. And I hope that is our intention, not to just be informed, but to be faithful disciples before him as we read Revelation. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.